Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. Right, welcome to episode two twelve of the long toss here on the on the walk off. Uh, Blue Jays are good again. <laughs> Vladdy figured out how to hit in Toronto. This is uh, going to be a cheery, cheery episode. Perhaps we got lots to talk about. Uh, we're going to recap the Jays A's series breakdown, playoff temperature check, All Star game stuff, bullpen. Circle of trust, who's in, who's out. Uh, cleanup question marks. And we'll touch on the London series. And then, of course, everybody's got their own topics we'll bring to the table. Uh, everything from Aaron Judge, maybe done for the year, to Taylor Swift snubbing Canada. Let's get to it. I'm Adam Mack, joined as always by Mr. Scott Belford. How you doing, big guy? Good, buddy. I'm excited to have a positive long toss. It always feels like uh, it, it. It's either a shit show of negativity, or <laughs> we can we can find reasons why it wasn't perfect. <laughs> I can't wait to talk game one of this series. Right? How did they lose that? <laughs> oh, such a close one, too. Joel, nice artwork you've got up behind you. Yeah, you like that? This all. Oh wait, on this side. It's all mine. Very nice. <laughs> this is this. No, it's not. It's, this is this is my uh, friend Sarah's kids stuff oh. clearly but you, you I, i'll take got sarah's kids to draw a picture of tom cruise for your wall that is tom cruise oh <laughs> right. recognize him right that's from the uh the new scientology blue that's him in avatar <laughs> avatar where's the cookie monster I don't know. <laughs> all right jen how you doing i'm doing well uh i was at yesterday's game um and so you know Little little dicey with how hard Barrios was getting hit in the second and third innings, but you know they ended up, you know, making that look easy in the end. And same same with today. And I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're going to go on a bit of a roll here. It would it would be nice to take advantage of the you know so called softer part of the schedule. And you know maybe this team over the next couple of weeks will look like the Reds. <laughs> look like the reds yeah reds are uh a fun little team right now which is weird for joey Votto to say uh sean lacomber how you doing oh not bad got my muted background to match my uh my mind you know <laughs> yeah i just finished watching it I, I i can't watch them live like i mean that's i don't know how you guys do it i don't know i don't know how you guys process all like just like commercials and all the time between pitches I got my own little pitch clock. It's just right in my hand. <laughs> so the pitch clock didn't change anything for my game enjoyment because I always watched it in about, you know, an hour and a half. I will say, and I don't know if everybody like across Canada gets the exact same feed in terms of like what commercials are showing, but I absolutely 100% blame Sportsnet and the Blue Jays for putting into my head, what does the fox say? Because that's commercial, that, keeps, that, that jingle P. keeps Diddy coming Uber up in a commercial, and I don't even know what it's for, but 
Uber Eats. Yeah, it's actually really, it's actually a pretty good marketing campaign. It is pretty good. Well, I I can't get it out of my head. So apparently. Uh, I feel a cat, mental a cat distress. One. That's the, the one that gets me up. saying, wow, wow. The guy really. <laughs> right. I swear to God, Burger King commercials occupy 15% of my day. That's the same tune over and over again. I almost don't get to watch commercials anymore. I'm on the terrible Sportsnet app. So I just get the banner that says like. Commercial break we'll be, in progress. Yeah, commercial break in progress. So, so I'm missing out. Uh, sounds like when fun. I'm when I'm away, I watch it with the like little live like updates on the on the MLB app where you're just seeing the like the graphic and the pitches coming up on the you know, yeah. on the strike zone. And that can take your emotions out of it because you can't see bad swings. You can't mm-hmm. see anything aside from strike ball and in play outs. And they should mm-hmm. really put some more color into that app then and be like, ooh, Vladdy, ugly chase down and away. <laughs> commentary i would love that the, a little ai chatbot there you go hey yeah a little ai buck martinez <laughs> or sad or just the player's sad face happy face after balls or strikes <laughs> all right we're fully off the rails we've weeded out all the casuals just the regulars left in the chat the I like so it. this is good uh five minutes new record for us so uh, well, let's talk that Jays A's series. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi continues his dominance as we all saw coming. Uh, looking at the stats of our pitching staff, there's an argument to be made. Chris Bassett is our number four as of right now. Uh, not our number five, though. Our number five is a wall. Maybe we'll touch on that. We took two out of three out of, out of Oakland. Do we feel good about that? Mm-hmm. Scott? Yeah, I'm all right with it. I mean, after that loss instilled panic throughout the entire fan base, I think we're all pretty happy that it went the way it did. And I mean, Yusei Kikuchi, he allowed two hits today. Seven innings pitched, 102 pitches. Yusei Kikuchi. Like, this is the guy that we constantly remind ourselves he's, you know, any any performance he does, it's always got that asterisk of like, you know, and he's our number five. He's our number five in the in the rotation, and uh, you kind of touched on it there, Adam. He's he's moving up that ladder. Yeah, yeah. starting rotation feels good. Go ahead, there, Sean. My off season speculation radio podcasting. I I just I'm like I'm gonna skip this because we don't know anything in the off like in the off season we would have been talking about Manoa like you know. It, it, it just all would have been a waste of time. Manoa's gone. Kikuchi's like our number one, two, like after Gosman. He's what were they saying on the broadcast that they need to split up? They were looking to split up Bassett and Gosman. Like, how do you guys think that'll go? Like, what what's the order there? If they split those two up. I mean, I thought the big reason for splitting it up is that Kikuchi is kind of showing that he normally goes five innings, so they didn't want to have the bullpen day and the Kikuchi day back-to-back and burn the bullpen, and I think that's why they kind of shuffled the starters. But, I mean, if Kikuchi's going to come out and, and throw seven innings, I mean, we obviously can't rely on this, but if he's going to put in the type of performance we've seen over the last six starts, like the last six starts have been insane for him, 2.48 ADRA a whip under one. Like this is a guy who walked six guys every nine innings 
last year and he's not putting any dudes on base. So uh, I don't know if they had to break it up maybe, but I think it was the safe move to do. Does anyone feel like Alec Manoa is going to be back before the all-star break? No. I, 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 I think there's a huge difference between simulated games and, you know, whatever it is that he's doing versus fit, uh, you know, pitching in an actual game scenario where you really have to control your emotions and think your way through things and, um, and, and that sort of thing. And that really, that aspect of the game was really eluding him. Right. You know, and, and we essentially watched his self-confidence get completely eroded away. And I don't think some good outings against nothing, right? Like there aren't any actual players that you're facing. You're not in any actual pressure because it, they're not gains. They don't count towards anything. Um, I just simply don't see that being enough to put him in, in front of a crowd again, anytime before the all-star break, right? The next, you know, he would be, he would be on pace to pitch uh, at the earliest on Canada day, because that's the next bullpen day. And I think that's certainly way too soon. And at that point, why not wait until after the all-star break, right? Like, look, they need to make sure that when he comes back, he's good to go and that they don't, they're not going to need to potentially send him down again, right? They need him relatively fixed. He may not be who he was last year yet, but they need him to be able to go out there and they need to rely on him and, and have that self-confidence continue to be built rather than eroded away. And they cannot bring him back a moment sooner. I so agree with that. I would, I would rather look back on this season and have people saying things like they should have called him up sooner. Maybe they would have managed to, to advance further in this whole thing because in Alec Manoa's trajectory, I mean, 2028 is when the kid is a free agent and no longer under Blue Jay control. I mean, to mess this up now over two, three weeks, like I, I know in the chat here, um, it was Michael, I think it was said Manoa may not even be back this year, which you know, that's that's the worst case scenario, but I would rather them let him get his body physically right and his mind right rather than put him in a situation where he's going to chalk it up as another failure that he needs to overcome, right? Like you bring him back too soon, he gets blowing up, and now we're right back where we started and his confidence is even worse. So I'm with you 100%, Jen. Do not rush this. No. Um. Yeah, to like play on everything that Jen said, like I need assurances that he can make it along every step of the way to this, to playing in front of 45,000 people, right? To, there's no social media issues when you're pitching in a contained unit with your, with your friends. This is a friendly environment. There's no, there's little, as Jen said, there's literally no pressure in any of that situation. So when that's ramped up, when you're, the pitch clock is bearing down on you when there's runners on second and third and something's eating away on you. And that inclination of, I don't want to miss this pitch as opposed to what he said, right? That quote that he said, I, I got off of being confident in making pitches to the point where I was afraid to miss pitches. Right. And if that suddenly ekes back under a pressure situation, then 
you know, two quick outs then lead to a five run inning. And it's so you, you can't, like Scott said, you can't rush this thing right now. You look at Votto, Votto took 27 games in the minors at 39 years old before the Reds were comfortable saying that an absolute veteran face of the organization for the last 20 years was ready to come back and play for their team. So if they're taking a month for Joey Votto, we have to be willing to take so much longer for a guy whose career is 5%, 1%, 2% over, like he's just beginning, right? So this is all about, Scott, as you said, the, the player he's going to be till 2028 and hopefully long-term un, under this team. So yeah, take your yeah. time. Right now we're at a point where this organization gets to do what they love to do, which is spin, right? So like, <laughs> so now we're everything that's leaking out through the organ through Rogers people is it, everything looks good down there. Everything looks great. Everything's trending up. Everything is beautiful. And like, we don't know that we have no idea. Like we're not going to know. That till... is such a good point. Imagine they're actually panicking down there, but they're like, keep, keep saying yeah. it. If, if Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins and John Schneider could just lie to us about the results on the field, they would. <laughs> but we're watching the games with them. So they can't, so like, this is an area where they get to do, they get to go full Rogers on us and just say, everything's looking great. He's trending in the right direction. We, we literally won't know anything until he's, I mean, I guess until he's pitching in double a or something like that's mm -hmm. when they'll have to show us what's going on. Cause they, I mean, they were talking <laughs> about how they didn't even want the Yan the Yankees, like people in Florida to see him. Like, what are you talking about? Like, just let him pitch. But I don't, I don't think they want anybody to see him at this point in general. And, yeah. In well, general. And the reason, yeah. the reason for that, would be that he has not progressed, right? If he had progressed, then you wouldn't care if the Florida compound Yankees people saw him because he would just be up to the standard that he already always was. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. I commented that way on Twitter. I said, like, if he was pit performing poorly down in Florida, would they even tell us? No, they wouldn't, right? No. We will. We we would never know Would that. they even tell him? I like yeah. <laughs> You're doing great, Alec. Yeah, I just bounce it in there. The numbers on the machine are so high. <laughs> don't don't, tell don't show them the iPad. <laughs> just change the radar gun to kilometers per hour. <laughs> All right. Uh maybe they're gonna have them for Canada Day just to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. How about that? That would be interesting if he could throw a strike. <laughs> that one. All right, let's quit picking on. So these are some interesting numbers that I saw on Twitter about Danny Jansen. So in his last 162 games, Danny Jansen has 33 home runs, 99 RBIs, a slash line of a batting average 255 on base, 325 slug of 524. He's got a weighted runs created plus of 132 and a wins above replacement of 5.1. Um and they're kind of in a weird place right now with catching. I mean, we watched Heineman just get injured in the game and need to be pulled out in the middle of an at-bat. Alejandro Kirk, they said uh, that he just got his stitches taken out of his hand and is in line to be taken off of the IL in four days when the 10 days is up here. They don't really have anyone in AAA. I mean, both Stevie Berman and Rob Brantley, who are their backup pitcher or catchers, are on the IL. So now they're going to be 
either forced to let Dalton Var show catch or roll with just Danny Jansen for four days. I, any ideas, Joel, on what direction this team might take over the next week for catchers? And can you see them for the first time this season, perhaps uh, giving Dalton Varshow a shot behind the plate? My question was that with um, him being out of today's game, right? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't start today. And I was, it was a righty on the mound. And I was like, he's a gamer. He wants to play this game. Is there anything to do? Like that was, in, that was swirling in my mind. Is he sitting there with a, a book in his hand, trying to learn the pitching staff really, really quickly. Um, I never really truly understood the idea of completely mixing him as a catcher. When you brought him in, I like the idea that he could catch five to 15 games for you under a pinch. You know, if, yeah, if, they literally if, took a, a, a skill set that belonged to like literally only 0.2% of players, which is the ability to play catcher and move around the diamond. And they're like, you know what? This one unicorn attribute, we're just going to not use it. That's fine. Yeah. I'd, I'd like uh, when we acquired him, I always, it was, I, th- I think we even talked about it at the very beginning that you expected probably before they had said that he was going to outfield exclusively. Then we knew that it wasn't going to happen, but I think there was a two week, three week period where I was like, he'll probably catch 10, 15 games. It's an interesting platoon situation that naturally plays to his advantage as a lefty hitter because his numbers this year against um, lefties are like OPS is in the five something. So it's a situation where, you know, Danny and that amazing, those amazing numbers that you mentioned. Um, but then you want to give Danny a rest. You got a righty on the mound and Dalton can come out from left field platoon behind the plate. Like, I just thought that that was like, you want diversity of your ability to move your players around having see next to your name is like the most incredible ability to just go, I'll, I'll put that equipment. I'll, I'll catch for you. So maybe it is, maybe we're starting to shift to look to that idea that why are we taking this guy's skill set away when an average catcher who runs well, hits from the left side of the plate has power. I'll take an average catcher. So I'll take a guy who has average catching ability. Here's an interesting point. You mentioned Dalton Varsho got the day off today. Uh, tomorrow's an off day for the Blue Jays. He also got an off day on for Miami. 22nd between yeah. the Miami series and Oakland. And then the last game of the Marlins series, he got an off day and only pinched hit in the ninth inning. So yeah, he's had a lot of time off in the last six days. Maybe they are getting him in front of the book and trying to familiarize himself with uh, the pitching staff. Cause the other option is to open up a spot on the 40 man roster. Let someone go and pick up a four, a guy off the waiver wire or bring up a guy who's probably actually a double a catcher. Like maybe a Zach Britton, you would rather have as the backup catcher for four games than what they've got in triple a right now. Like, uh, they're kind of in a weird spot with catching right now because of the fact they've got their triple a guys on the IL and Kirky's still four days away from being able to come back. Yeah. What I was going to say to that is it might be a situation where they think they can add better in the outfield, which is easier for them. So if they feel mm-hmm. like they can make an addition in the outfield, then shifting Varsho and keeping Varsho his playing time available through him getting some spots at catcher, which then allows Danny to, DH, which is a situation where, you know, they, they, D- Danny didn't DH today. So, um, or did he? 
I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on today's game though. No, he but, didn't. Uh, no, he didn't. Yeah. So it's Dalturus, just uh, Dalturus is saying here, you'll like this one, uh, Joel. Kevin uh, Biggio can catch. He plays everywhere. <laughs> That's funny, just like his old man, right? That's yeah, when that his dad came up. So I didn't catch a position too. So who knows? He wasn't he our at a point a backup backup catcher. That third catcher was Kevin at a time. That's funny. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll see Dalton uh, with the equipment on in the second half of the season. Might happen. Uh, Danny Jansen, by the way, dating back to 2020. So this is every game played over the last four seasons. Not a 30 home run pace per 162. Marcus Simeon 2.0. 42 home runs in 231 games. Uh, well, I remember he's, he came he's up. really, really good. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah. When he came up, he was supposed to be, you know, uh an offensive catcher who, yeah. you know, maybe will figure he'll figure out the defense as time goes on. And then he morphed into like how he's viewed as a, an excellent defensive catcher. And kind of a black hole offensively, but yeah, I mean, maybe as, just as fans, you expect, you know, like, oh, here comes Danny. Like, there's times when you're like, oh, Danny Jansen, but like, you know, when he's on a heater, he's great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think offensively, maybe our expectations were too high, but he is—he's turned out to be good at both. The power he's showing sure looks good. I mean, I'm almost at the point with Jansen that I would consider putting him in that cleanup number five hole that just seems to cycle through blue Jays as they try to attempt to find someone who's going to drive in runs in those spots. Cause uh, they haven't really found anyone to do it. I mean, they've, they've cycled through Guerrero and belt and Chapman and Varsho and there hasn't really, I know we're, we're supposed to talk cleanup hitter a little down the way, yeah, but let's just uh, get to it, this, now. It, it fits in nicely here. <laughs> There hasn't really been a guy who stepped up and driven in runs. Mm-hmm. I'm into giving Jano a shot. I mean, at this point, seems better than what they've been showing. Yeah, and and Springer, like I, I think I there was an episode uh, Adam and I did like in February, I think, where I said I would like to see Danny Jansen hitting second, the way that we had Simeon hitting up in that spot, mm-hmm. because to me, he replicates that approach at the plate. He's looking to jump on a fastball, pull it, get all over it, and hit it as hard as he can. And that, to me, as you say, hit, like I like a guy with that mentality in the four hole. Right now, somebody sitting there, and you throw a fastball a little bit up in the zone, I'm going to try to jump on it and hit a three-run home. Like, and, and you can strike out a lot, but like a guy that I consistently know, you can't make a mistake with a fastball against. That's what I want in the four hole. A guy that you can't make a mistake with basketball against. Because we've had guys in that hole all year that, you know, oh, you're up. I'm just going to throw you some gas. I'm going to gas you upstairs. And whether it's been an inability to hit the home run, he's hit well, but he hasn't put really any over the fence, right? So with Springer rolling, Bichette rolling, now Guerrero suddenly rolling, and you having that opportunity with those three guys consistently being on base, I just want one every three games. I want one, a home run to go over the wall. And that game to be dictated by that three run home. So Danny's probably the guy right now, honestly. When he's I know in chat here, Michael Borland says, I know it's the A's, but Vladdy may be coming around. Maybe he just needed to hit off garbage pitchers to get right. Jen, you were there at the game last night. Vladdy just, he seems more confident, doesn't he? 
He does. I mean, he, that home run, you know, the way he pimped that, like he knew it was gone <laughs> and you could just, the, the swagger was immediate, right? It was like, I'm back. Right. That was almost what it said. Right. I'm back, baby. All, um, that, all that really says is that Vladdy will pimp it on anybody. Like he doesn't <laughs> care if it's against the A's or against the Red Sox or against the Yankees. He is going full like backwards, forwards, robot, move it third. <laughs> He's not toning it down because he did it against a, a position player. No, that's true. Like, he still did the that's backwards true. forwards against it, like a, a shortstop threw it and he hit it out of the yard. And he's like, I'm going full shush mode. Like, you know, just, just like yeah, so, I love sorry it. to interrupt. But, but, yeah. you, but you love to see it in the sense yeah. that he's looked so miserable. And we've talked about that on the podcast, really? right? That he has looked absolutely miserable. So yes, it is the athletics. And yes, they are a, terrible team god they're bad um you know but he has to come around eventually like one would think that vladdy would have to come around at some point this season uh and and if we're seeing glimpses of that then then cool let's go um i mean when he when he hit that ball yesterday at camp at second base and knocked him off his feet that was unbelievable. Like, I didn't even need to see the exit velo. I was like, yeah, that was hard. That was hit very hard. <laughs> Can we yeah, talk see, about like, the fun that the guys are having right now then? Because I know Jen mentioned it off the top, but the Cincinnati Reds are having a lot of fun and the winds are flowing. Um, Eddie Della Cycle, hey? Eddie Della Cycle. Um, I've just been finding myself over the past week or two questioning maybe we need to bring the home run jacket back like maybe this team is i know this is joel's nodding along already maybe this team is needing to be sillier you know i'm looking at the standings here and i'm just i know this is not like definitive science here but i'm looking at the teams at the top and all these teams are teams that are having fun the Orioles looks like they're having fun. The Rays, they're having fun. Uh, the Braves, the Marlins, the Cincinnati Reds, the Diamondbacks. These are young, fun teams that are goofing off and having a good time. And then you look at the teams that maybe take themselves too seriously. The Yankees underperforming. The Jays underperforming. The Mets underperforming. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is yeah. just... Maybe you just need to have fun to get through the grind of 162. So I feel like, go ahead, Jack. I was going to say, oddly enough, I I actually thought the home run jacket was a relatively subdued celebration in comparison to jumping in a laundry cart and being (laughs) pushed around and whatever other things different teams were doing. Um, I I never objected to the home run jacket, although, you know, I, I do think. I do think when you're like up by a certain number of runs or you're down by a certain number of runs, maybe leave it on the hook. Maybe just, now, the, you know, the, Angel, the angels were doing it up 20 to nothing. yesterday. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, I don't think that's a good look. That's, that's great. Um, but if they're going to do something, if they're going to bring something back, I mean, we're almost what we're at 
we're almost at the midway point, which is crazy town. Um, but uh, I would like them to, like I said last week, come up with something as a team, right? So many guys have left. You've got so many new guys on the team. Come up with something else. And, and you know, we, we say that this team doesn't have an identity or doesn't seem to have an identity. Maybe sort of gel together by coming up with what you want your celebration to be, if you want one. Like with Vladdy, like it feels like part of his problem is he's just like trying too hard, putting too much pressure on himself. You know, we need him in full shush mode, as Sean says, right? <laughs> we need the sunflower baths and the goofing off. And that I hated. That I hated. I hated the sunflowers. I hated it too, but I also love getting 45 home runs out of Vladdy. Yeah, there was so. something to be said, like fun wise for, you know, and the reason it angered some fans is because fans always want the athletes to take it wins and losses to be as life and death as it sort of feels for us. Yeah. And for a lot of them, it isn't for a lot of them. It's not the rich, they're rich. They're doing what they love to do <laughs> and the wins and losses. don't. So like in previous years with Teoscar and with Lourdes and with Vladdy, like, you know, they're having fun. They're having a blast. And it's like, man, they lose a devastating game. And the next game, they're back at it. It's like, yeah, because to them, it wasn't devastating. Like, they went out and had fun after the game with their millions of dollars and all their toys. <laughs> like, I remember Manny Ramirez. Remember when they were down 3 nothing to the Yankees? And they were like, like, oh, my God, this must be terrible, like, devastating loss. And he's like, well, I guess, like, if we lose, we'll just do it next year. Like, and people were like, what, are you crazy? You'll do it next year? Like, but that's, you know, that's the fun part of it, right? For these guys is like, and the expectation is lower too. Like, you know, when you said like the red, these guys are having fun. These guys aren't. A lot of it is expectations. The expectations mm -hmm. for the Yankees and the mm -hmm. payroll, it dictates that you better not be having a blast when you're losing in the Bronx. Like yeah. you think you're like passing around pineapples and making margaritas down seven, four in the Bronx. Like, <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> You'll get booed off that team. I remember so, when... I wonder uh, who... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Jen. I was going to say, I wonder whose decision it was to do nothing this season. My guess it's, is Bo Bichette. And look, he's thriving under nothing right now. <laughs> he's also thriving <laughs> under a vote of confidence via paycheck. That's true. Yeah. It may also have been like Mark Shapiro was like, how about the Budweiser jacket? <laughs> they were like no no they're no, like no. we'll do nothing we're let's not gonna do blow. nothing guys yeah, let's do nothing yeah i wouldn't I be will. surprised if it was like let's turn this into some commercial opportunity a budweiser jacket you know like but yeah who knows i'm not Home sure run jackets are for buds yeah <laughs> that's what buds do <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. <sighs> yeah like when i see it when i see it successfully used with other teams it's, it's a confidence thing. It, it, it brings aura of invincibility. They feel like they can come back from anything, which is what I think we saw when we saw that jacket, you know, that jacket would, you know, and, and even putting it on pitchers, you know, was a, was a thing that I enjoyed. They, they kind of eventually got to the point where it wasn't just a home run jacket. It was, you did something really, really incredible. Like I wouldn't even, I would see the jacket being used so much for Kiermaier. Kiermaier makes an amazing catch. Goes up over mm -hmm. the wall, stops a three run homer. You put the jacket on, yeah. right? Like, there's forget it, it's home not run just, jacket. We want just, a validation jacket. Yeah, just you, you, you do something worth validation. 20. Boom, you get the jacket. Yeah. Away you go. Right, you, whatever it is. Right, like it doesn't have to be just an. 
a singular facet of the game that we enjoy, right? At, when it's a home run, everybody's celebration is based off the home run. But maybe to Jen's point, if you, if you wanted to incorporate the fact that this team is supposed to be about the fundamentals, right? And you celebrate something more beyond just the home run. You celebrate things that really bring you wins, right? And then you, you celebrate war. Wins above I, replacement jacket. <laughs> I want to see like when, you know, a pitcher gets out of a jam by striking someone out to end an inning and they walk off the field and somebody's meeting them with whether it's the jacket or the chain or the helmet or the firecrackers. I don't know what the heck. <laughs> Eighth inning reliever comes in, goes through the two, three, four hitters without letting anybody on put the jacket on them, right? There's so many moments that you can yeah. sit and embrace as a team I think, and try I to think bring everybody be, together around your... I think the Jays should go with hot coals. You know what I mean? <laughs> hot coal and run across them? Dump out the barbecue, walk across it. Oh, man. He's the out for the highlight reel. Um, okay, so here's where I come down on this. Is It feels like this team is a little bit divided in its identity. We mentioned... Whose idea was it to get rid of the jacket? Boba Shett, first name out of your mouth. It feels like half the guys are the no-nonsense, let's take care of business, the Matt Chapmans, the Boba Shets, and then the other half is the the Vladdies and, well, just Vladdy, I guess. But how, how do we move forward and bring those two sides together? Because I don't really want to bring back a home run hot coal walk if it's going to mean Bo Bichette starts hitting 235. We don't know that they're not, the two sides aren't together though. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we really don't know the dynamic, right? And, and well, not, if you're not there, I'm, if only, you're not, I'm only here to speculate. So no, no, I'm just saying like, it, it's a difficult thing to speculate about because we really don't have any idea. But, but based on based on the fact that it no longer happens, somebody had an issue with it. Well, I just wonder. Yeah, but I, you know, was that from management? Was that from uh, coaches, or was that a player decision? Right? Like, I have absolutely no idea. It would be interesting to know. I would love. I love the idea of them all getting together and just being like, "We can't do. We can't do the jacket without Lourdes. It wouldn't be right." Hmm. It could well, be like, like that where they're like, no, they're just like without Tay Oscar and Lourdes, this is an empty jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just have enough, it on, like, on a hook in the back. Like, you know, just to let everybody, up, I don't know. At the start of the year, rooms. Vladdy was putting on a phantom jacket. So that tells me he still wanted the jacket. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Here's nobody it. else did, but some people didn't. He was still putting on a ghost jacket. He wants to have fun. Let's get this guy a super soaker. Joel, you, you can have the last word here. We'll move on. I was just saying with your personnel changes, I think you were trying to state that your identity isn't have a goofy time all the time, right? Like that you made considerable personnel changes that were to bring in a new identity of win now mentality and no funding games. Like a lot of the players they brought in aren't, aren't, aren't fun and game type guys. Chris Bassett isn't fun in games. Pick up your lunchbox and go to work. You know, that's, you know, that's what we, that's what we invested in the off season. So, so to say that you shifted your identity towards that, like maybe that's what their thing should be as a lunchbox. 
You know, you come out, you hit a home run and you pick up your lunchbox and you go down the thing and you sit at the end and you drink out of the fun thermos or something at the end. But like, that's supposed to be their the idea. The thermos, third so. base coach just handing the lunchbox on their way around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if that's supposed to be it, right? Like then grab it, make something, make it fun. Make that's that identity like, fun. This wasn't during the game, mind you, but a few weeks ago, wasn't it like dressed like Matt Chapman day? Yeah, it was great. Right. And 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 some of them like I mean, they all kind of got into it and, you know, it, to one extent or another. And uh, and I know that was off the field. It wasn't actually during a game. But clearly, like based on all the photos that we saw from that, it seemed like everybody was kind of into it. So I don't, I don't know. All right, well. Let's uh, move on from there. Unless anybody has anything else to add, we'll do a playoff temperature check. Playoffs. I just like today. the idea. I like the idea of Chris Bassett making everything a little more serious. Like even iPad protection had to be upped on everything. They're just like, "Hey, this guy means business, and he will smash <laughs> an iPad." Yeah, he's like Axl Rose in concert. <laughs> yeah, really. He's just. Ends every game with a smashed iPad. <laughs> but it's just another example of how a lot of things are optics, right? Where like the celebratory stuff is we are you're doing more losing than winning. So it feels like it's not fun. The iPad, like if he was going off and watching stuff on his iPad of him hitting a home run or striking a guy out, we'd be like, I like, yeah, those iPads, they're really giving guys information. But if it's like <laughs> the strikeout, we're like, put the iPad down and just feel the game. <laughs> just feel it. Feel it in your bones and swing. What what if Vladdy smashed an iPad after a home run? He was just so excited. Oh, that like would be at a the cool end of a concert. Movie. Just yeah. Why, the, why isn't that the celebration? Maybe that's the celebration. Yeah, yeah. Right, Jen. Exactly. Right. <laughs> just get you an iPad. It. They go down. They smash. Right, it at we're the rock stars. That'd be great. Yeah. And even hot coals, and then at the end of it, you grab an iPad and smash it. <laughs> All right. If playoffs started today, Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. It felt like uh, it's been about a month and a half since I've been able to say that on a Sunday, but we've leapfrogged the Astros and the Angels this week. Um, How's everyone feel about our odds of making the playoffs? I think we've all resigned to not catching the Rays. How do we feel about our chances of making the playoffs at all? I'm feeling good right now, honestly. And it's not even so much what I'm seeing out of the Blue Jays. It's that you start looking at some of these other teams and this isn't going to take the 91 wins everyone thought it would to get that third wild card spot. It's going to take about 87, 88 wins. And I do think this Toronto Blue Jays team is is on pace to do that and should do that. You look at the Angels, they have taken a step back from where they were a few weeks ago. And I think that they're going to be in it till the end, but the pitching staff with this Los Angeles angels team doesn't scare me outside of Shohei Otani. The New York Yankees are a mess right now. Like, do you know who is in the New York Yankees outfield currently? It is Jake Bowers, Harrison Bader and Billy McKinley. This is who they're sending out to patrol the outfield in the Bronx. Rodon has yet to pitch in a New York Yankees uniform. Frankie Montes is out for the season. Luis Severino has come back only to be horrible. 
He's got an ERA of 5.25. I just look at the competition for this final wildcard spot, and it's not as deadly as maybe we all thought it would be. And as long as the Jays can continue to not lose 10 in a row or something crazy, I think they're going to be on it till the end. I like this starting rotation better than the competing teams they're up against in the, in the angels and the Yankees. Yes. The Astros are going to be in there at the end and nothing is going to come easy, but they're going to pass the Yankees here by the all-star break. The Yankees without Aaron judge, their offense is anemic. They've they're starting pitching. I can't even believe they've kept their head above water right now. I, I I'm feeling good right now with where the Jays are at. And again, it's not even about, how the Jays are playing more so what's going on around them. My, my Twitter feed is for some reason, Donaldson is constantly trending and it's just Yankees fans screaming (laughs) about (laughs) Josh Donaldson. And then, you know, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Falefa? Yeah. Is that it? Uh, I am, you know, like, like it's just constant vitriol towards those two, right? Like it is just, you know, if we thought Jays fans were losing it, uh, you know, take take a sneak peek at Yankees Twitter because that's that's an absolute, <laughs> that's a tire fire most most of the time. Um, I yeah, I mean, I think the Jays at this point easily could catch New York, absolutely. Um, you know, and I don't know what judges projected uh timeline is um but i don't think it could be august yeah i was gonna say i don't think it's anytime soon um and so that's you know that bodes well in terms of the jays and their their chances um i think that i think critical to all of this and the jays playoff chances is that they don't suffer uh a starting pitching injury yeah like look at look at the angels they won against Colorado last night, 25 to one. And then they lost the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I like where they're at and it very, you know, to piggyback on what you guys have said, almost more to do with what's happened around them. You know, like the, uh, usually by this point, you'd, you'd, the Astros would be running away and hiding. And then we'd say, man, it's going to be tough to beat the Rangers, but we don't have to, the Astros are right there with us bogged down five, six games over 500. Like there's all these t- enemy, you know, so now who would you be the most afraid to play in the playoffs? The Orioles in the wild card? Like, okay, but you still, you better like your chances of beating them or, or who else are you going to beat? You're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs if you don't think you can beat the Orioles. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the sort of, that's that team that we're going to have to get through. I don't mind the look of that. You know, like, uh, you know, the like you said, the Yankees are falling. So, you know, you you really want to hate where the Blue Jays are at right now. But just based on what what's happening around them, it makes you realize, like, there's more parity this year than there has been in the past. There's more than more parity than we would like to think there is like there's it's, you know, there's the Oakland A's. But then there's all these teams that are just sort of in this mushy middle of, you know, win a series, lose a series kind of baseball. 
And every year you see a team that maybe is a fringe team go on a run, right? Last year with the, the, the Phillies did it. And then in 2021, the Braves won the World Series as an 88-win team, you know? So just getting in is a big deal, even though as Jays fans, obviously that's not where we wish to hang our hat, right? We don't wish to be the fan base that is like, well, if everything goes right, we can really start to celebrate some wins here. But it's the way it's lining up and you never know, honestly, this Blue Jays starting rotation, I do really like it compared to a lot of these other teams that are in that mushy middle, as Sean put it. You know, if, if you were to be in a three-game series against the Yankees or against the Orioles or against the Angels, outside of Garrett Cole, outside of Shohei Otani, right? Like outside of the number ones, I take Blue Jays every time with their top three. Being, and this is as long as Carlos Rodon <laughs> is still on the IL and not in the rotation, obviously. It is fun. Like I, Yankees, Yankees radio, Yankees baseball, like listening after Yankees lose, like most of the stuff is payroll based where they're like the, the Tampa Bay Rays pay this for players. How is it possible that we are in this position seemingly year after year with the Tampa Bay Rays? Like, how is it possible? you know, that they spend this kind of, and it is amazing, you know, it continues to amaze, but most other teams are sort of in this mushy sort of middle zone, you know, we'll see, but I feel pretty good about it. Did we lose Adam or did we lose me? Adam, we can't hear you. You're you're muted, bud. I was whispering. Okay. (laughs) I did that on purpose. I was testing you. Okay. You guys all passed. Yes, uh, I've probably been muted for a long time. My apologies. <laughs> um, I was wondering why nobody was letting me in to talk. I was I like, I, kept, I, I was, I was talking at the same time you were, and I'm like, I bet Adam right now is thinking like, is Sean just going to talk over me this whole podcast? This asshole is never <laughs> coming back. No, uh, one thing that I just is like, I think worth reminding ourselves of is that when we look at this mushy middle, and I love that term. Uh, Blue Jays, Astros, Angels, Red Sox, Mariners. It feels like there's so many teams vying for like this one last spot. But then when you look at the schedule, it's like the Astros have like 10 games left against the Mariners. They have 10 games left against the Angels. They have nine games left against the Rangers. Like all of these teams have to play each other so many more times. They're going to have to get in each other's way a little bit. Yeah. Um, right. And that's my, good my for fear, us. Yeah. But my fear is that like any one of these teams could still go on a run as well, you know, and Shut that, up, that would be tough. <laughs> the, the fact that a lot of these other teams are probably in better positions come the trade deadline to like take a real step forward if they want to, based on their prospects that they have. So that's something that I worry about that a team just goes out there overhauls and and is drastically better come the trade deadline where we might not be able to make that move or we don't make that move. Right. So that I have that fear in me. Also me and my looking at run differential, you know, I look at a plus one eighty team two years ago, we're looking at what plus 20 ish right now, you know, projecting to be plus 40 plus 50. So, you know, when I'm looking at run differential, which is usually how all general managers build their teams right now, 
we're on that decline, you know, decline from 180 to 90-ish to 50-ish says that you're not, you know, that's that's kind of a competitive thing that I'm scared about. And, and especially the fact that we're a team that gets out homered now. I think we've allowed 20 more, 25 more than we've hit. So that's coming into the playoffs. We're going up against a team that is a much better home run hitting team. And you've got guys like Kikuchi who's leading the league in home, like he's pitching well, still leading the league in home runs against, right? So situationally, you might be in a situation where you come up against a team that just got a bunch of crazy good hitters. They blow you up and we don't have the offense to go toe to toe with a team like that. So now we're, we're going from a team that was more offense dependent now to a team that's more pitching dependent. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that identity shift kind of holds up. Mm-hmm. Cause it was done on purpose. You know, the identity, oh, know. the identity shift was done <laughs> purposely to be like, you know, home runs in the playoffs, forget home runs in the playoffs. You know, it's small ball. It's get on base and move them over. But now here we are halfway through a season and we're like, I hate our numbers with runners in scoring position. That never <laughs> used to matter because we just hit home runs. You know, that's how we got them in. And now we need that like four hits, you know, six guys come up and four guys get a hit. You know, that's tough. It's hard to do that. So we're finding that out now is like, oh, the other way of playing baseball is also extremely difficult to do. And runners in scoring position is such a weird stat too, because truly it is sort of definitive on luck a little bit. I know there is the idea of being more clutch when, when those opportunities present themselves, but you'd think the numbers sort of even out because for this 2023 team, like you look at the batting average, you look at the OPS, they're in the top 10 in all of baseball and almost all of the main offensive categories. They're just not cashing them in when they're at second and third base. And you hope that that starts to even out. I mean, we're already, we're pushing July and it hasn't evened out. So I don't even know. Like what are, what are our like, miss home you, runs? If you looked at like runners in scoring position against teams that are sub 500 or, you know, like I mean, to me, that's maybe the issue is like, why can't we beat the AL East? Like, well, because when you're trying to do it against teams that have better pitching, you can't do it, you know, just like teams can't really go and get Gosman, right? Gosman might let a couple guys on, but then, okay, takes a deep breath and then he gets you out. And that's what happens against the AL East teams for us. We get a couple guys on, we get excited, here we go. But then they're, you know, they're, um, their starter just takes a deep breath and mows us down. Yeah. Adam, are you muted again? No, I'm just speechless. <laughs> I just don't have anything intelligent to add to the conversation. So I'm just nodding along politely. Um, so we do have a super chat here from Michael Borland. Does this hey. fit in right now, Adam, or should we? I don't know. What does this it say? In a second here. Well, it says at uh, sure. Well, let's just jump let's right just in. We were talking. No, we were just talking some pieces yes. right now. Anyways, we always that do was appreciate unbelievable. super chats. And if you like, would I'd... like to guarantee that your comment gets read, that's a great way to do it. So, Michael, thanks for supporting the channel. He says, at what point should we expect the pitching lab and the spring training revamp to start paying dividends? And isn't that just the question we all ask ourselves here? When uh, does the pitching lab start paying dividends? Here's the Rogers answer. It already has. <laughs> Thank you for your question. 
it's already paid huge dividends. We've noticed it over the last three years, but you know, like, yeah, I mean, their corporate answer to that would be so we'll ask another question. Please press one. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> Everything good you're seeing is because of that. I don't know. Uh, can I give a toxic positivity answer? Yes. I'd like to quote the great Tony Robbins here and say, trade your expectations in for appreciations, and then you'll uh, never be disappointed. Gratitude. Yeah. That's, what the that's all I got. All about. Gratitude, man. <laughs> gratitude in the lab. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering about how the players like, you know, Merriweather and Sacedo and now Anthony Kay, like why why are they all of a sudden finding success out of the lab? You know? Um lab leak. That's what it is. A lot of people <laughs> a lot of people think it was a like an animal. No, no, no. <laughs> Leaked right out of that lab and now we all got it. Now Anthony can get it anywhere he goes. Well, doesn't every team have a pitching lab? Like are we are we ahead of the curve on that or are we pretty normal? I think that it's pretty normal at this point. Um, they were ahead of the, the curve when they, they put it into everyone, but Oakland, the new complex. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, but Oakland, pretty much they've built I, a pitching lab, but it's in Vegas. So yeah. <laughs> like, this is such a tough question to answer because <clears throat> we're not there seeing the development. Although this next wave of pitchers truly is the, the pitching lab wave. And that includes, Adam Klofenstein, who's in double A, and Sam Roberts, who's in double A, and Ricky Tiedemann, who's in double A. A lot of these young guys that aren't at that triple A level are the, the pitching lab class, if you will. So Adam lab always rats. makes Let's the metaphor of <laughs> the lab rats. Yes. Adam always makes the metaphor of, of, uh, baking a cake and you got to let it you got to let it bake before you actually judge the cake and i think that's kind of where we're at in the pitching lab scheme of things mm -hmm. we'll see how this next wave of pitchers do we haven't seen any of them yet i mean alec manoa was there at the very very beginning but yeah but you couldn't say he's a product he sat of... through the pandemic and then came out of nowhere you can't really yeah exactly yeah um yeah so there you go it's uh Good question, Michael. Thank you for uh, the super chat. Um, I read a hilarious comment about Aaron Hicks this week. We are complaining about not having a cleanup hitter. And the comment was something like, Aaron Hicks sure would be nice right about now. And they were like pointing their finger at Ross Atkins for not going out and getting him for free off of like when he got DFA'd by the Yankees. But like, that's such a delusional comment. Because... <laughs> I don't think anybody was looking at the 188 that the career 210 hitter was putting up and thought he just needs a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. I don't have anywhere else to go with that. I mean, I just... it is it is an it is an interesting point to say like maybe when players fail in New York, you can't give up on them because it's so hard to play in New York. Um, you know, so, I mean, but yeah, like you said, nobody was lining up to get this guy. Like you can't just blame the GM for ev like th for everything, you know? Well, and when things aren't going well, 
or are under expectations, people just start grasp, grasping at straws, right? Anything seems better than yeah. what is currently happening. If Aaron Hicks, if you pick up Aaron Hicks and he continues to have the numbers he's had throughout his career, everybody would think you were a moron. Yes. All right. Um, let's go to bullpen circle of trust. I'm going to just bite my tongue because last week I put Nate Pearson firmly in the circle of trust and he imploded pretty hard this week. So you guys could take it from here. I mean, Jordan Romano, despite blowing the save, what was it? Friday? Friday. He's He's oh. been good. He's been good. I, I He leads That's the league in slider. saves. You know, he's... He le- he's hung his slider a couple times and been punished for it with a couple blowing saves this year. But all in all, he leads Major League Baseball in saves. He's been good. Eric Swanson has been incredible. I don't know uh, hmm. how much bigger the circle gets. I love Tim Meza. He's been incredible and he's been he's been used really really well this season. So I know we uh, have shit on John Schneider here and there over the last couple of months, but I will tip my hat to the way he has used our lone lefty in Tim Mesa because Mesa's numbers are incredible. I mean, he's got an ERA of 1.33, but his walks, hits, innings pitched, it's under one right now, which is pretty darn impressive when you can go to your lefty and uh, not need to worry about walks or hits being given up. I yeah. don't know how yeah. much bigger that circle of trust gets, guys. Richards, I guess Trevor Richards is yeah okay I would I would even like I love Romano because he just even in uniform he looks like a guy who should should be selling fridges in Markham <laughs> doesn't he doesn't look like a ball player he looks like take that stupid uniform off and start selling frigidaires <laughs> yeah, like, he just looks like he should be working at Leon's and drinking coffee <laughs> complaining and having a cigarette you know like he doesn't look ballish you know like so I just love the fact that he can go out there and just blow people away with his frigid air fastball, you know. But he's okay. Let's get like, that merch made up right now. <laughs> frigid air yeah. fastball. Pearson, I think is would I'd still have him in there. Like I guess he had a bad outing and then kind of shaky or whatever. But I still like him. I still yeah, I like his stuff too. When yeah. it opens, when the gate opens and he's there, I'm like okay, okay, you know, like Jimmy Garcia. But even when Garcia was killing people last year, I was like, how are they not hitting it? <laughs> like I, even when he was getting people out last year i was like how are they not hitting that that's just 93 and sitting there it doesn't have any sink on it it's just like oh he hides it well like they can't find it they, they they're never finding this like so this year hasn't really surprised me i've been like how are people and he's throwing harder like he's gained a couple miles an hour and now yeah. it's like the weirdest thing where he's a guy who's picked up velocity and now they're like, Oh, now I can see it. There you go. Bang. Like, like it's yeah, weird. Now, now he's throwing 99 mile an hour cement mixers. <laughs> yeah. right down it's, it's bizarre. Like he, he's, so he's out when I see him come in, I'm like, I don't want to see this happening. I don't want to see this. Um, Yeah. And Simber, he's kind of always been there. Um, Simber's a guy where like he's, you move him into the AL East and then for a year and a half, and then he's got to go to the NL central and then he's got to yeah. go to <laughs> He's got to keep moving divisions and leagues. All the time. <laughs> uh, Adam Simber back on the 15 day IL. Yes. yes. 
uh, right shoulder impingement. Not sure what that means. Tightness? What's impingement mean? Anybody? I don't know. The, the, the nerve or the, is being pinched. Pressed. Yeah, it's something's pressing on it, you know? The weight of a fan base pressing <laughs> right shoulder. That'll do it. That'll cut off blood flow eventually. That will do it. Okay. Uh, you guys want to talk London series or do you want to talk stuffing the ballot box? Why not both? <laughs> you- yeah, well, let's let's talk the all-star game here. Who does everyone feel is the the legit Toronto Blue Jays All Stars? <laughs> the legit, <laughs> not, not the most popular, but the legit, right? Yeah, Bobuchet. Yeah, Bobuchet. Is that kind of who Swanson? Maybe is he even in the Gosman? Well, pitchers Gosman, will yeah. pitchers will be appointed. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk. Let's just talk to position players for now, based on yeah. fan vote. Because uh, those finalists are out. Mm-hmm. But we do have uh, several finalists in the mix. We've got Vladdy is a finalist at first. Uh, Whit Merrifield is a finalist at second base with Marcus Simeon. Uh, Matt Chapman is a finalist at third. Boba Shett is a finalist. And then in the outfield, we've got Gary Kiermeyer as a finalist. Yeah, that's just like... Yeah, some of that. If you're any other fan base, you're like, "What are you kidding me? Like, what are you <laughs> talking about?" Like, it almost de it almost devalue. Like today, they were talking about the broadcast. Like, hey, everybody, vote! It's a last day to vote. And I'm like, no, don't, because that de- like when Bo makes it, it devalues his all starness. You know, it's like if everybody just goes because you're a J, then it's sort of like, well, who actually is an all star? This is a joke. You know, like. If Whit, because of Maryfield, sure, he's been solid, he's been great, but like he's not, you know, Mark, he can't start over Marcus Simeon. Like, you know, I mean, Yandy I love the spin. I love the Yandy. spin of like Whit Maryfield, 34 years old, finally comes to a fan base that cares. And look at where you're at now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they cared in Kansas City for a while when they were good, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's a, don't stuff the ballot box. Like you were talking about stuff at like, don't relax, take a day off, let it play out, you know, like take it easy. We don't need to have it be all blue Jays. It, I you think know. it's, or, it's an odd thing to do like other than, other than kids, like other, mm-hmm. like literally other than children who are voting for their favorite players on their favorite team. I don't quite understand grown mm-hmm. adults doing it. Or like, like you said, stuff it for Bo, yeah. Like, hmm. like actually just go vote for who the best players are. You know, mm-hmm. go look at the numbers and go, yeah. this guy's got 17 home runs at the position. He deserves to be there. Put him in. So right? just, I, I, I want to just, I just want to right now, June 25th, I want to make a prediction here that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finishes 2023 with more home runs than he did last year, which was 32. <laughs> And I want to go on the record and say Danny Jansen finishes with more home runs than Vladdy at the end of the year. Okay. I like that. I, I like hate that. it. I hate it. I hate uh, Whit Merrifield, by the way, see, 43 games Danny at Jansen second base. Hit 34 30 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's the all-star for you. 
Okay, um, let's talk the London series then. MLB went to London. Anything to add? Did you watch any of it? Did you? Did you watch any of it? Did anyone watch any of it? I watched like a bit of it. I was like, oh, where? I, I didn't even know it was in London for a minute. I was just like, where is? What is this? You know, like. Uh, but I mean, great attendance, I guess, right? Yeah. Like uh-huh. Plus thousand. It was pretty cool. Um, I could have cared less about the teams, but I guess they're two iconic you know, historic teams and the Cardinals and the Cubs. It's just... And I guess baseball that... has a unique ability to potentially make something like that work. Don't mm-hmm. they? I mean, do they have a potential? I, I don't know if that's true. Or I not. think they do. I, th- I think, I think they do. And I think they are doing a good job of kind of growing the game Hold on. Hold on, on the world stage. Can I get clarification here? When we say make it work, do we mean like add a expansion, yeah, an expansion team in London? England. Like, could you, I mean, they would love to do it, right? They see sort of how Toronto's worked in Canada, where now you have this team that like all of England and Europe can maybe latch onto and you generate can't. tons of revenue. And then you can't do it with that flight and, and time difference. You just can't do that. I don't, I mean, is it true? Could you not do it? I mean, you know, would it be impossible to have a team there? And then you come in and you always have an off, like, you build in an off day somewhere, whether they have an off day before they go to London or an off day after London. But I'm thinking them having to spend half their games in in England and half their games on the road. And on the road is on a different continent, right? Like to me, that just doesn't seem feasible. You you would probably just have something weird. Like, you know, you go on the road for a month and then you think nobody wants to go to Canada. Just wait. I don't, I don't see, I personally don't see that working at all. Um, and I understand why they sent the two teams that they did. Um, but, you know, if you're, it would have been cool to send the Jays in the sense that they actually play in a country that still associate, associates themselves with Britain. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was maybe a bit of a missed opportunity right there. Not that Shout I out wanted to, to uh, Steve and the Blue Jays fans UK, by the way. That's a lot of Blue yeah, Jays there fans are. over in the UK. I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity, to be to be completely honest. But I understand why they wouldn't send the Blue Jays. Um, what I wonder, though, is if you're going to send two teams there for a three-game series with the idea of growing the fan base, did they do anything else to grow the fan base during this series. So for instance, do they offer a discounted rate on MLB.tv, right? You know, anyone anyone in, in the Commonwealth who signs up for MLB TV during this three game series will get a 50% discount or will get the playoffs for free or, or something like that, right? Because yeah. it's great that people came and watched the games but if that's sort of all of the promotion that's being done, I'm not really sure how that grows the fan base elsewhere. I think I feel like you need to tie it into, you know, some sort of, you know, actually getting these people to latch on a bit more and genuine generating some revenue that way. It's all uh, the things for these guys. Yeah. It's all franchise value. Right. So so if you so if you can show. Look at this. 55,000 people came to London. You've just increased the franchise value of every franchise in Major League Baseball because you've established, look at how big it is outside of North America. Right. So guys, it's all about how do, what can we do? What are little things we can do to increase 
incrementally our own franchise values. And this is just one of those things, you know, to to show the world that we're big time uh, internationally. To me, anyway, they don't care. About, they don't care about growing the game, or they just. Yeah. Like, how do I add another B? How do I add another value to my my own uh, franchise? Uh, and it's two- so obvious that that's what it's about because Major League Baseball could have done this so much better in so many ways. I mean, just what you touched on, Jen, about have they done anything else marketing-wise? And the answer is no, they haven't. This series, most J- most fans didn't even know this series was happening until like literally this weekend when it was going on, which is crazy. And on the other thing too is the jet lag and where they place this series. And I know Will in, in chat brings it up and he says – why not do this series in the UK right before the all-star break? So there's not the jet lag for the two teams, which, you know, fantastic question. (laughs) Well, you know, I call up the commissioner's office because (laughs) like, like I've said before, you know, the major league baseball sometimes does some right things, but often can't quite seem to get out of its own way, right? With its with with its lapses in judgment, to say the least. But that would absolutely may, have made sense. Uh, comment from YouTube I want to get to from Mike, who has a Union Jack with a Blue Jay in their profile picture. So I have to assume they're from the UK, probably went to the series, says... Assume nothing, get, Adam. You'd get no regular support in London. All the people there were traveling miles, and it's a big event. If you played every day, there'd be less than 5K people there. For sure. Uh, that's that's so what I mean. Put, for that, put a team in Oakland, Oakland right? Yeah. <laughs> <Or> Winnipeg. <laughs> um, and then uh, New Brunswick, Canada guy had a good point. Says, why not play the all-star games overseas? And I kind of like that idea. I mean, the NFL, I don't know. I don't think they still do, but the NFL used to do their all-star game in Hawaii. They get like a yeah. big trip. Uh, mm-hmm. They just haven't found anybody to give like, I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see more of that in the next 20 years, like what you're seeing with like live golf and PGA where Saudi Arabia just throws $4 billion at major league baseball. And then they have, you know, uh, an all-star weekend over there in Saudi Arabia. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing that in the next five, 10 years for sure. Yeah. It's the bag of money hasn't been big enough yet. All right. Um, let's get to our topic. So there'd be no the day, there'd there'd be no pride event in Texas and Saudi Arabia in that case. Then yeah, 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 you, uh, yeah. You're not even allowed to look at a rainbow that's existing and currently natural in you know over there. Yeah, think... eyes down. Avert your gaze. <laughs> no softball either. Avert your gaze. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get to topics. Everybody brought a topic to talk about, right? I did. Yes. You did your homework. Okay, because we still got uh, 48 minutes to fill. So, no, Scott, let's yeah. let's uh, let's start with you, Mr. Scott. Okay, so not sure who noticed, but the Houston Astros were playing the Los Angeles Dodgers this weekend, which, of course, has historical meaning because back in 2017, the Houston Astros beat the Dodgers thanks to banging on trash cans and. The Astros were booed pretty heavily still uh, six years later. And I know that uh, a lot of Astros fans say that this is ridiculous. It's not even the same team. Move on, right? We should all just move on. And I guess my question about this is, are Dodgers fans being completely unfair 
And should everyone just move on with their lives being it's been six years? I'll, I'll go. Um, yes and no. I under like, like you said, all of the player, there's how many position players that still play on that team? I think it's Bregman and Altuve. I think that's it. Like there's very little still left on that team. But um, Manfred came out recently in the news and said that he mm-hmm. failed to punish the, he, if he could go back now and redo the punishment, he wouldn't have given immunity to all those players. So like, why would you say that with that series right there? Like this, you just threw gas on the fire that was just embers at this point. It was just coals. And then you went and dumped a whole bunch of gasoline on it and said, oh yeah, those guys really some terrible stuff to you. And they should have probably been punished the way we punished Pete Rose, but I didn't, I'm an idiot. Okay. Let's go back at it and feel these feelings again. Right. So like a major part of that whole investigation was the information they got from the players. And I don't think you get that without you know giving he, those guys immunity. Manfred's saying that he would have. Manfred yeah, I, I literally said that he would have. I gotten, think that's, I call baloney on that. I, I don't think it, I think that they could have done some legitimate investigation there and gotten the answers. There's a that, lot of people involved there, whether it's current players who played for them or players who had been a part of that team, they can get whistleblowers. Not to have to give it to all the murderers with their bloody hands and say, "All right, we're not going to punish you guys." And, and, and the reason they gave immunity—I mean, I think the reason he's looking back on that with regret is because the whole idea of giving them immunity was so that you can get the full story, right? If we can just get we can't story have and get it right we away. Can. Yeah, but I don't think they ever got it because has, has, is does anybody not think they used buzzers? Like, I think they use buzzers, and that that takes it to another level. Banging on trash cans is sort of. I don't know, maybe, but I mean, who who doesn't think they were wearing buzzers? So, I love the Astros the, fans. I love so. the Astros fans that are so they didn't use buzzers. Sure, they were banging on trash cans. They didn't use buzzers, but maybe they did use buzzers. And we're not even saying they were using it for anything other than a good time, right? Like Jose Altuve <laughs> was buzzed right up. Yeah, had nothing to do with the game. No, no, no. <laughs> My girlfriend didn't like the tattoo that I got. Her <laughs> But I, I, yeah, I mean, so I, I think that that's where he's coming from. It's like he's pissed off that, you know, the idea was we get out ahead of this. We all, everything's on the table and everything wasn't on the table because they didn't, they didn't get to the root of what would have been a bigger scandal, which is these guys were buzzed up the entire season or whatever, which is a much bigger deal than occasionally they were banging on trash cans. So, yeah, I can see why he'd be pissed off because he didn't get the full story. So it continued. I I bet he did get the full story. I bet you that was a conscious decision to bury that aspect of it. That feels like cover up. Like that feels like we got these guys alone. We said full immunity, get it all out now. And they said, okay, we did trash cans for a bit. Then we found buzzers worked way better. That was our golden ticket. And then he goes, oh, fuck, we can't let this get out. And he goes, let's Mm -hmm. just say trash cans. I don't yeah, know the buzzer thing. Yeah, I wouldn't because it's like I mean it's a natural. It is evolution. a mega scandal to be like you said. It's so much worse to be yeah have a I, I, they bionic had to have chip implanted. But that's the whole thing too, right? Is that if they had received some kind of proper punishment at the time, then it would be over by now, right? Yeah. And it's most definitely not over because as Blue Jays fans, we have the unique spot of being, you know, anytime Springer goes to another park, he's being called a cheater still. And he always will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we the care? buzzers? The buzzers is just the 
I think it really is the aspect of the whole cheating scandal that the fan bases across Major League Baseball can't get over, right? Like, it's one thing to be banging on the trash can, but having electrical, (laughs) you know, pulses whenever you... You can hear it, right? Like, I mean, even in the sort of like smoking gun videos that they did, other players could hear it. So I'm a pitcher on a mound and I can hear, like when I'm going to throw a breaking ball, I can hear a bang. I can hear it from the other dugout. So I can make an adjustment in the moment. The buzzers take it to a level of, it is so cloak and dagger. No one knows what you're doing. And so you, you know, so it's a totally different level. It's completely different than the banging on trash cans where I can make an adjustment based on what I can hear you banging on, you know, like I know what I could, what I have to do. Far well, beyond Dodgers, buzzers Dodgers fans didn't forget either. I don't know who saw, but like literally booze rained down and pretty regularly throughout, like pretty much anytime they came to the plate, it was very, very vocal. So uh, the Dodgers fans sure. haven't forgiven anyways. As they should, as they should, like they were cheaters. They still are cheaters. And the Astros tried to play it like, no, look at Dusty Baker. Look at old Dusty. Look at old Dusty. He doesn't know nothing about a buzzer. You know, <laughs> okay. they've, they've been trying to play this game since they were caught of like, oh, we're different now. We're a different team, different players, a different mindset. Like, no, I'm not buying it. Not for a second. If you look at 2019, they had brought it all the way to 2019 when they were up against the Nationals. And, and, um, um, why am I spacing on their second pitcher who's always hurt? Um, Strasburg. Strasburg totally reversed his pitch calling and then threw a two hitter after they jumped on him for two home runs in the first inning. And he literally brought Jan Gomes in and said, they, they got our signs. If we double back on our signs, they won't know anything. And then he K'd everybody for the next day in eight innings. Like it was to the point where they had programs literally running to break down their signs to then properly buzz them on whatever sign combination they were using. So it was like a lot of a lot of technology was being applied to the cheating. And that's just that can't that can't happen. Yeah. No, um, they're just gonna have to eat that for 20 years. Can I take an unpopular opinion and say I think they're off the hook because of the whole sticky stuff cheating scandal? It was just so like I I'm not saying they didn't cheat and whatever, but like, I think a better angle than, oh, but all of our guys have moved on. We only have a few left would be like, everybody fucking cheats. Get over it because it, it it's a little bit insincere for Dodgers fans to get all butthurt about the Astros cheating and then to have anybody with sticky stuff ever on their team. Like you can't be, you know what do they say? You can't be uh Whatever, if your hands your, yourself aren't clean, and like literally, if you have sticky stuff on your hands, right? I know I'm botching this metaphor, go, Scott. Go wash, go may, wash it off. Yeah, go wash it off. Those without sin be the one to throw the first stone. <laughs> yeah, kind of that. But thing. isn't that isn't that kind of like? I mean, we know the Astros weren't the only team cheating like that. 100%. Even right. I mean, yeah, Red Sox whenever you, were probably whenever you well. point a finger, there's three fingers stuck to your palm pointing back at you, right? <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> exactly. But no, but like sincerely, like I get it. But like, Sean, you even pointed out like Jays fans, we're in a unique situation where we have George Springer, where it's like we want to condemn the Astros, but then we also want to root for George Springer. And it's like I have a hard time wearing my George Springer jersey saying Astros are cheaters. You know, like it's a weird thing. And I just <laughs> think every fan base 
has a pitcher on their team in the last two, three years who shaved two points off their ERA by cheating. So why, why, I mean, not, not why does it matter, but like maybe we do just need to get over it a little bit. Great point in chat here from Scott Carter, who says it's because MLB has developed a culture of sweeping stuff under the rug for a hundred years. So mm-hmm. it's the culture of baseball. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. I mean, that's, that's baseball. Um, yeah. Like w- with foreign sub- substance, that was a situation where a lot of pitchers were bringing it on themselves as opposed to the organization, right? Like the, the Houston Astros cheating, like Los Angeles Dodgers is a good example of bringing in Trevor Bauer for his insight into. Foreign right. substance. So the Dodgers so need to shut the fuck team. up about yeah. the Astros yes. cheating. Right. Right. Sure. That right. they literally brought in Trevor Bauer to goop up the entire to cheat. Okay. To cheat. Absolutely. So which almost my, like my, everybody in baseball acknowledges is a bigger advantage than knowing what pitch 100%. is coming. Absolutely. Okay. I just want to put that out there. Okay. That is, that's, that's steroids only for the pitchers. So absolutely. Um, With the way that they dealt with foreign substance, having like, you know, they saw that there was an issue. They dealt with it immediately. And then you could see the drastic drop off in spider tech users, literally the week after, like all the numbers came in and they're like, 60% 60% of the league was cheating. All the numbers are down. We've got it. So that was nice that they like went out there and just, I, I think maybe the issue there was they didn't give the pitchers enough time to actually get off the stuff. So that might've caused a few injuries, but at the same time, they just dealt with it. They dealt with it clean. They, they now to the point where if you're doing it, you get a team suspension and we're, we're seeing that the game, like even Bassett came out and said, the game is drastically different now than it was two years ago when the entire league was gooping. So I like the fact that they cleaned that up well, but the issue here with the Astros is just the investigation. I don't, I really don't think that they needed to give immunity to these players. The information was out there. The information was out there for even the fans to find, you know, the fans for a lot of, you know, that scandal were the ones exposing things and the ones diving into the things. So if fans with absolutely no investigative budget can find these types of scandals, what can they do if they're allowed to interview players and get like, if you really put an investigative unit together, you put a judge, a lawyer, somebody behind investigating and you spend $10 million on that. You're telling me uh, you will find the, you know, the problem there. You don't need to give all of these players immunity. So that my issue is really with what Manfred said, especially in the last 10, 12 days about totally mishandling that situation. And when he could have just, I know that like the fan investigation was a big part of it, right? Like the uh, going back through the game records and like listening to the audio and being like, Oh, here you can hear the trash can getting hammered and, and blah, blah, blah. But it's, that's not, that's like circumstantial. Like that's not real evidence. Yeah, But then you add that to Mike fires coming out and like confessing to it. And like those elements. I'm just that saying, once you actually get the guys in the room to conclusively admit, yes, point blank, we were doing this. Now it's like, yeah. okay, now we got them. Like, but like, it's to me, it's the same thing as getting the the White Sox together after they threw the World Series and say, you know, you guys get to still play. Just tell us what's going on, so we don't have to stop this. You know, so we can but stop. The, this I mean, the, the, the video button. stuff was circumstantial, but it was still a smoking gun. It was still yeah. like this is proof that they did it, unless somebody. 
and no, nobody came out afterwards and said, ah, actually, this has been doctored. This has been this isn't real. Could like, it no, not have been happened. a like, this is legitimate audio and video synced up? And we know that they were cheating because of this. Could it not have been a coincidence? I mean, not a coincidence, but like a an independent third party, a fan with an algorithm cracked it and was like, I'm going to bang on the trash can next to the next to the dugout every time there's a thing. And then like, that's not. They did have like a TV really setup. Here. Well, no, but I'm just talking about like sound, conclusive evidence. Like Mrs. Springer. <laughs> you to sound like old Nana Springer. Yeah, whatever. Just don't make me pick up my own popcorn. Okay. <laughs> not looking to get canceled. All right. Uh, once again, I'm in the uncomfortable position of def- defending cheaters and liars. So there we go. Okay. Uh, good topic, Scott. You missed most of it. I saw you bailed halfway through. <laughs> You're like, you know what? This isn't as interesting as a question as I thought it was. I'm going to go grab some water. So. I'm going to drop a topic on you and leave. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sean, let's go to you. What's your topic? Um, I don't know. I hadn't even really thought about it. I just like Scott's topic so much. It was good. And then I got <laughs> onto the Astros, which I hate the like I so I normally would have coasted through um the first one to think of my own, but it made me mad to think of the Astros. Um so but I guess I, I would say, you know, if I had a question, it would be um something kind of Manoa related. Like, do what do you think that this is a a blip for him or and he gets back to a certain level? Like, is it is he fatigued from overpitching last year, or is this like or is it like a, you know, sort of a Romano, more of a, or Ricky Romero type situation? Like, where do you think it lands in that spectrum of possibilities? Where he's just, he's kind of done or. I think this year's a write off and he'll be fine next year. I think the web of problems is so tangled that it's going to take a while to unravel it because I think there are a number of, things that contributed to his demise. I think it was being overworked last season. Mm -hmm. I think it was the pitch clock. I think it was never having failed at any level and now, you know, failing on the big stage and trying to figure out how to cope with that, whether or not conditioning factors in is debatable, but a possibility and on and on and on it goes. And as I said earlier in the show, right, we literally watched, you know, we watched him go from preseason, I don't feel pressure, pressure is something you put in your tires, to essentially crumbling in front of us on the mound. And I think it's going to take a while to unravel everything that is going on there, right? Um, And so... You know, I think this season, I think if they can get him back and get him into games, I think that will be a positive. I think that will be a win. And then hopefully, you know, whatever they do next spring training to get him ready, ready for the season. You know, I don't don't necessarily expect him to be a top three Cy Young candidate next season. Um, You know, I think maybe we might be reaching a little bit there, but I, I do expect him to find himself again. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. When a guy has a laundry list of concerns like Manoa has, and Jen, you did a great job of kind of touching on what all those are. I 
it's really tough to isolate things down and and address these issue by issue, right? So I think it is going to take a while and untangling the web is such a great way of describing what Manoa is kind of going through right now. And I know we've touched on this a few times before too, right? But there is that innings increase and the rule of thumb around Major League Baseball is 15 to 20% increase year over year for the innings you're throwing. And Alec Manoa went from 110 innings pitched in 2021 to 204 last season. And you don't, when your body is overworked like that, you th- there's not much you can do but rest it. And I, I, I really do believe that's why Alec Manoa is so off the radar. It's why we're only hearing about these simulated games. You know, they can tell us whatever they want to tell us right now. And I think that that's part of it too. They probably sat Manoa down and said, listen, man, like this is your time. You're out of the spotlight. You're only going to be brought up with simulated games. No one's going to give a shit about it. You're good for at least a month. And then we'll see where he goes from here. I, I really do believe Alec Manoa is going to be fine by 2024. But yeah, he has a a road to plow in front of him. Yeah, and I don't know what that fine necessarily looks like, right? Like I said, it Mm -hmm. may not be back to, you know, top three Cy Young candidate. It might be that he's your number three, number four guy in the rotation, right? Uh, Or maybe he comes all the way back. I don't, I don't really know, but, um, you know, and we won't know. We won't know. It'll take a quite a while for us to know. Like it won't be even when he does return, it won't even be in his first couple of outings, right? Like it will take a while to see what the trends end up becoming. And maybe that's why he was pulling his slider so bad is his his, his body's just not right. And so he's overcompensating. Like again, when, when there's so many different things that could be the problem. I think he needs to learn a knuckleball. Yeah. <laughs> Sidearm and knuckleball. Let's get both Sorry, going at once. He, he, yeah, that's he needs Robert to be- that's what the pitching lab is for. That's what the that's pitching, what lab, the is pitching for. lab is for. Got Have it. you ever I thought think- of no spin? <laughs> <laughs> I I think he needs like the exact opposite of the pitching lab right now. I think he needs to go out there and just play baseball. I need he needs the Bull Durham approach. You know, he needs to learn how to talk to the media. He needs to learn how to clean his sh- shower shoes. You know, he needs to learn to do all of these things. Hold the ball like an egg you know, throw it like a democracy and not fascist and trying to get strikeouts all the time. He needs to learn all of those like basic concepts of baseball. But the thing that matters, a most good is muscle in just... the reds and in the, a good wrestle in the mud. Needs yeah. Yeah. Just, with you know, yeah. I can get us a rain go. delay, turn on the sprinklers, go and slide <laughs> head first, you know, around the bases. Um, but he needs to get back to the all-star game. That, that personality that you saw at the all-star the game that could listen in, to the commentator booth and say, Hey, John Smoltz, what pitch do you want to see back? foot slider. Absolutely. I love it. That's sexy as shit. And, and his mindset is there. You know, his mindset is, is utmost confidence in himself. I can go up and throw a fastball and Aaron judge is going to be two feet behind it. Right? Like that's when he gets back to that. This I, goes back I totally to the Vladdy thing, man. These guys got to be having fun. Yeah. It's a massive, massive laundry list. But I seriously want to break it all down to just him feeling like himself on the mound again. Like he can and and the idea that if he gives up a home run, just who cares? 
go on to the next guy. You know, that he has to have that mentality of taking his failures and, and moving on because you can't do anything about them. You can't leave, do anything about that pitch. You leave over the middle of the plate. So there's no reason to try to be finer with the next slider you throw. You know, you can't have, you have to be utterly insanely confident in yourself when you're on that. And we've seen that turnaround in Kikuchi. Yeah. Right. Like he looks extremely confident. He's showing emotion and okay. He gives up a home run, but then he's like right back attacking the next hitter. Right. And we, that is not at all what we saw from him last season. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Jose Barrios too. And so, and this is where, and this is where I think Manoa might just need the off season to truly kind of recalibrate. I, I hope he comes back in September. Like I hope that this, this layover down at the complex and that they can build his confidence back up and start getting him rehab games in, in, in Vancouver and New Hampshire and move him up to double uh, to triple a, and that he can rejoin this blue Jays starting staff and contribute to a playoff run. Uh, I just, in my opinion, that's all gravy at this point. Because Kikuchi, like, you know, of course he had to earn it, but like he had a heavy spring training workload. Like he, he was in it during spring training, like earning that job. And I think with Manoa, they kind of were like, well, you know, we need to take some innings off of him. Like they were slow playing him to start the year and hoping like, hoping that they could treat him like a veteran pitcher. Um, And he isn't, you know, like they they were hoping that they could just move him into Gosman world or, you know, and like, well, we don't need to, you get it. You're, you know, like we don't need to, you don't need to start a bunch of games in spring training, but I think he did. He probably did. You know, he Mm -hmm. is still a kid. And I think that's a big thing that maybe the front office didn't account for is just every obstacle they've put in front of the big man, he has overcome and maybe expecting him to be that front end of the rotation guy and take on all of the pressure at 25 years old. He he might just not have been there. I wonder if they're like, if I wonder how much of this comes down to tiny little things where like, if you had just named Gosman, the opening day starter, if you had just put a chip on his shoulder from day one, Instead of like, cool. you know, here you go. I, I don't I think know. we I should mean, have started when triple a with Nate Pearson, make him earn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not ready. Yeah, like, <laughs> full, full tough love mode. Looking a little third inside young voting. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you want to be the opening day starter. Sure. In triple a get on the beauty. Give him the Milwaukee Brewers approach. This guy cost us everything. Yeah. that's right (laughs) all right joel uh let's get to your topic then oh okay um i want to talk about um arias and his quest for 400 um we are looking at a guy now who's i think he's still 400 401 going into today um when ted williams did it it was a completely different era in baseball this was average meant something we're now in a day and age where he is 80 points, 90 points, 80 points clear of the next guy behind him. So is, is hitting 400 in 2023, the most, is that, is that better than hitting 400 in, you know, 1940? Because to me right now, being a 300 hitter is being a 280 hitter. A 280 hitter is what we would conceive of as a 300 hitter 
20 years ago. So we got this guy hitting 400. Is that, that he's hit 420 to me in this day and age compared to all those previous guys who are hitting against plumbers and guys throwing about 84 miles an hour back in the 1920s. Like, is this getting the attention that it, it, it like, this is insane. Will we ever see this again? What, where is this rank to you on your, you know, crazy things that you're experiencing in baseball? Because 78 games into a season, I didn't think I'd ever see them. Personally, this is on par. And I think it surpasses what we watched Judge do last year with breaking Roger Maris's home run record for the American League. I don't think Arise can do it, but good God, it has been fun to watch him to this point. And I think you're really hitting the nail on the head when you bring up the fact that averages are just down, right? Batting averages are just down so from me, 20 me, years ago. Let me jump and, in here on this because yeah. I have the I have the numbers, Scott. So 1941 is when Ted Williams hit 400. Uh, the major league season total batting average that year was 262. Uh, this season, 248. Okay, so down by 15 points. Plus. Down by 15 <laughs> points. Jeez. Unbelievable. Just the approach the guy has to have to well, do what he's doing. It's but, but not only that, the fact that Ted Williams was hitting 400 against a starter all the way through the game. Arias has to do it against four different guys, all mm-hmm. throwing 100, um, all mechanically designed with whiffs rates that are you know through the roof. So it's just the fact that he's doing it on this schedule with this amount of travel, 162 games against this pitching. on on the Marlins. Like that's another yeah. thing is it's not like he has the protection that and some of these against non-white people sometimes. Sure. There you go. Color barrier wasn't broken. Didn't have anymore. to worry about that. That's true. That is true. I'd like to go back in time to Ted Williams and watch him and his manager opening like binders with spray charts and like trying to <laughs> figure out because that, I mean, that's the main thing is like to hit 400 where defenses play you where you hit it. They're not, I mean, Ted Williams was probably being played straight up. Like now, I mean, you know, maybe they were shifting slightly, but they were probably just playing baseball, like second base. They didn't have the analytics. Yeah, they didn't. But I mean, now they're playing right where he hits it and he can still hit 400. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's helpful to him to be doing it in Miami where no one cares or watches. Like it allows you to really focus on baseball and there isn't like this of like, you know, the event sort of, like, you know, like an, uh, there was an event status. The or crowd's was, not distracting him. Yeah, <laughs> right. If he was doing it in New York or even Toronto or someplace like there would be like a buzz in the building every time he came up and every time he went oh for every time he went like one for 15, there'd be like chatter about is he losing it? But he gets to just like play baseball in an empty stadium in, in Miami. And so I think that that is helpful. And it's also why people aren't talking about it that much. And Chucharu in in chat, and I'll I'll throw to you here, Joel, with this. But Chucharu says the thing is, all teams at some point are going to purposely focus in on him. He is on Miami team, flying under the radar. But once it gets real, pitchers will focus more on him. And I think the the last half of the season is going to be the most difficult to continue to produce like he's producing. Uh, I know it's your topic, Joel, but do you believe that this is doable? 
Oh, I, I, I wouldn't have said it until I watched it. And that series that we played against him, it wasn't so much the hits, but it was the breaking balls that were like a foot off the plate inside that he would get a ball on his bat on. And I was like, how is he not struck out right now? And then he'd serve the next pitch up for a base hit the opposite way. And I was like, and then you go look at him and his OPS is like 950s, top 10 in OPS in the league with like two home runs, three home runs. And you're just yeah. like, wow, man, that is, that is unbelievable production from base hits to be able to put that OPS up. And you're just going four for five on base hits all the time. And it's just, he, he had a home run the other day. I think it was his third, but wow. It's just, it's nuts to see a guy at 950 and it's all from batting. <clears throat> What I love about him too is that he is something that doesn't exist in the league yeah. anymore. You know, yeah. like he is he is a unique animal that seems like a throwback from a different era. <laughs> it's I, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it's he's 26, right? Like there's there's a lot of hits in that bat. That there, end, this is going to be a really Miami? interesting like, career. How did, he, how did he end up there? He was traded in Minnesota. Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez. Hmm. Straight up, yeah. Okay. Which I looked like it's title. funny because it looked like a win-win trade, but as like if a rise hits four hundred, like I, the, you don't win a trade you where you move a four hundred hitter, <laughs> not unless you win the World Series, and you do. Yes. Um, okay, I have a fun hypothetical. Um, if you because Ellie De La Cruz just hit hit for the cycle, uh, I think fifth youngest all time. If you hit a home run, a triple, a double, and then in the ninth inning you hit a double and hold up at first. Is it still a single or is it still a, a cycle? Yes. Yeah, they call it the Jeff Fry. The Jeff Fry, yeah. right? Friend okay, of the so, show. So if the Marlins come September are eliminated from the playoffs or have run away with the division, they've clinched the division. With like three weeks left in the season, he's hitting 402. And he just sits the rest of the season. <laughs> doesn't count. Doesn't count. No. Why not? Doesn't. Why count. not? Uh, Ted Williams says it doesn't count. Uh, he had uh, three ninety nine going into the last game of the season. He was hitting three ninety nine, but it would have rounded up to four hundred. And they were talking about sitting him. And he said, "If I can't do it for the entire season, it doesn't count." He went three for five and two for four in a double header, and ended up batting like four oh three. So like. I, to me, that's if you sit for a big okay. chunk for that reason. So, that's so no, here's that's here's no my pushback. Here's my pushback on that because I I knew you would say that. Ted Williams <laughs> played in 143 games that season. Yeah, but it was a shortened season. 154. Well, games I'm just season, I'm right? just saying if Luis Arise does it, war shortened. I'm just, <laughs> war, okay, sure. Well, hey, we might have one too, depending short- on what goes down <laughs> with Russia. Oh, look, all I'm war- saying is if Luis Arise <laughs> hits 400. Over 144 games. Well, if it's like, that because of count? injury, that's fine. But if you're literally sitting him for the purpose of that 400, then I'm. I'm gonna, well, I don't think that would actually happen, anyways. But well, yeah, under that it's a hypothetical. If he's being sat for the 400. I'm going to talk shit about that 400 forever. But if he does it 145 games and he pulls a hamstring and he misses two three weeks, absolutely, that's a. It's a 400 season. You, as long okay, as you're, so, as, long, as, as long as he doesn't reach the limit for the batting title, right? Whatever it's 3.2 at three, bats per yeah. game. 
something along the lines of that. If you reach that, then I think that's, that's bad. yeah. Like I think if they sat him down against like, you know, okay, here's an elite lefty. Uh, I'm just going to sit him down this game. Like he's taking a day off this game. Like I could see them doing that, like slow playing him a little bit coming down. Can't the sit like, for not two giving weeks. The whole yeah. thing off, but just saying like, Oh, here's, I like here's- the idea of just giving him days off against Garrett Cole and then pinch hitting him against the shortstop and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Or just like any, any any front of rotation lefty for the last month, you give him a maintenance day. Yeah, whatever. Uh, like it could so, happen. So Kevin Durant is in the the chat here, and he says, "Why podcast about baseball if you don't know the rules?" Adam, do you want to tackle this one? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what is he? Do, what, what what is he saying? We don't understand. Which rule do we not? Uh, understand? He says he wouldn't have bats. enough uh, uh, abs, which he would have enough at bats come the middle of September to just sit him the last two weeks. But anyways, irrelevant. It's a silly little uh, <laughs> hypothetical. We should, you we should probably just wrap the show here. He's really got our goat on that one. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I can carry on. Um, he must have missed the first five minutes of the show where we weeded out all the casuals. Yeah. Anyways, uh, welcome, Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, great question. You guys have fun <laughs> goals like that, or are they just like they just wa- they just hate they just rage watch this. <laughs> it's uh, our most passionate fans hate us the most. <laughs> Pretty much how she goes. Uh, okay, good question, Joel. I, I, I was uh, going to say I may not know all the rules, but every time there's a foreign substance check, I partially feel responsible for one. So. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Jen, take it away. So Joel's topic greatly overlaps with mine, but I'm going to go with it anyways. Okay. Um, so last season we saw Judge hit the uh, AL home run record. We saw Albert Pujols join the 700 home run club. Uh, You know, this season we're watching a rise flirting with 400. Um, Less lower down in the list of things, but George Springer became second all time uh, home run leadoff home run hitter and, and won't catch Ricky Henderson's 81 that I don't think that'll ever be caught. And so we're seeing some of these like really kind of cool things. So my question for you guys is, what do you think is the coolest or most fun or most impressive like record in baseball that you could set or chase? Ooh, I like that one. That's a good question. Um. I like some of the I mean, old stuff like win, like I still, even though I know it's de-emphasized, like saves for pitchers and wins for pit starting pitchers. Like I, I, I know it's totally something that people don't care about anymore. Uh, but I mean, I still think that that's something that can build momentum as the season goes on where it's like, oh my God, is he going to break it? He's at 20 wins right now. He's at 20. We haven't seen this forever. Like those are the win. Those are the sort of records that I like. The ones that are sort of you can build anticipation and momentum as the season goes on, even though they're totally de-emphasized in today's game. I think my favorite are records that 
need to be accumulated over a career. Right. So, so Barry Bonds holding the home run record of, of 760, whatever it is, the exact number there. But the fact that it took him 15 years to do, you know, like those are the records that are just so incredible where it's just, it's a a series of consistency with just luck of not getting injured with uh, being on the right teams and put in the right spots. So, you know, career home run records like Albert Pujols last year was so fun to watch. And just to see those, you know, a, a nice round milestones are always fun to see broken too. Like 700 is such a like sweet number and to watch him chase that and then surpass it was so cool. Uh, yeah, those are kind of my favorite where, you know, a, the, the body, the body of work of a full career does something incredible. I, I was going to say um, the one for me would probably be Cal's consecutive game streak. Yeah. Like I was really young for that one. It was coming off the strike. So it felt like it felt like it was something. It felt like it was a record and, and beyond it being about exceptional play or anything. It was just, it was the record that said, I want to play baseball every single day until I can't. And that's what it meant. Like it didn't mean like I'm the best or I'm the greatest or anything. It's just the record means if I have a chance to get out on that field, you're, I'm there and I will do it until my body breaks for 2,600 games. So yeah, I think that, that one just kind of, it just felt different compared to all the statistical ones that I've kind of seen over my lifetime. Yeah. They were talking about that on the broadcast today, which was sort of part of the reasoning why I came up with this question. Right. And I, I remember when Cal Ripken passed that milestone and how cool that was. Right. Like you said, like that body of work, Scott, it goes to that, right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's over the course of, 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 a, of a career really, Um, you know, the ability to avoid injury, um, and yeah, the, the desire to go out there and not need a day off, like everybody gets a day off nowadays, right? You know, they're, they're built in. I, it is a, I, I do think that's an incredibly cool record. Um, it's one of those ones that'll never be broken too. No, Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And even when it was being broken, people knew it wouldn't be broken. So the, it's yeah. a rarity there too, where like a lot of records you're like, well, this one, yeah, that, I mean, if he broke it, this other guy could, but that one was like even when it was happening, we knew like, this is the end of an era. Nobody does this anymore. Nobody, the last, I think two or three years of his career was like, it got more strange as time went on that he wasn't taking days off yeah. because everybody else was. And the idea I love, I love the records that connect you generationally back to some player that you haven't given the consideration to for 60 years. And you sit back and you're like, Oh, I never thought about that guy. And they bring him up and they, give that appreciation to that bygone era. I, you know, those even, those records even that- Yuri, Yuri Ruiz that we're watching play the outfield there for the Oakland athletics. And he's on pace right now for almost 80 stolen bases, which will be the first time since Ricky Henderson. And uh, like you brought up Joel, like just that the ability to, for somebody to do something incredible. And then it goes back and you look at the record and you see what Ricky Henderson's, actual single season record is and you're like okay well there's another one that'll just never be broken yeah. like especially no if, one is ever stealing 120 bases in a year especially a guy happening. like especially a guy like ruiz who gives all those bases back in the outfield <laughs> <laughs> um, 
um, if where Ripken's game streak, Joel, you must be familiar with the the fake power outage story. Oh yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've seen that one. Do you do you buy to, into to that? keep it intact? I I I think he played twenty six hundred straight games. I don't I don't take anything. You're not away putting from an asterisk Callen. on that. Okay. No, I. Was I'm, there like, I'm good was, on there, was there a power out? There was a power out situation. Yeah. The, sto- the story Kevin goes: Costner Kevin was Costner was banging <laughs> Cal Ripken Jr.'s wife, and Cal Ripken Jr. found him, and they got into a fight. And he was too uh, too beat up and sore to play that day, so they faked a power outage at Camden Yards, and the game was canceled, and that <laughs> enabled the streak to continue. So. I lo- I love all the fan rumors because it's always about sex. So those are the ones where I'm like, I'm going to throw that right in a Houston Astros trash can because <laughs> all fan related conspiracy theories are like, well, he was banging like it's always a banging. Thing. Another Kevin Costner was banging his wife story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First they were banging on trash cans. Now they're banging wives. Like, yeah, if you build it, he will come right all over you. Um, okay, my favorite records are the. Uh, I got Scott on that one. I got Scott on that. My favorite records are the ones that are like a backhanded compliment. Like you have to be so good to have a record that embarrassing. Uh, and the examples here that come to mind are. 115 mile per hour double play. No, no, that's a good one. Uh, most career caught stealing. Also, Ricky Henderson. Yeah. So leads MLB with 1,406 stolen bases. Also leads with 335 times caught stealing. Wow. That is so a that's lot. Cool. So Kirk could beat that if he would just try to steal bases every time he gets on. <laughs> He's got it in him. Yeah. yeah that uh, can be broken. Pete Rose leads baseball in outs. Mm-hmm. 10,000 career outs. Man. So just, here's another just to be really that good. One. It's like I always go back to the Brett Favre one of like Brett Favre has the all time record for interceptions in the NFL. And it's like no you just have Ryan to be so losses. good to to throw that many interceptions and to keep being a, a starting quarterback. So the idea that you can just get caught stealing over 300 times and still have the green light every time you're out there is like amazing. So I like those mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So this records. this is a stat that was brought to my attention. That's a really weird one. But Kyle Schorber is set to be the first player to ever in Major League Baseball history hit 40-plus home runs, but also have a negative wins above replacement, (laughs) which is just insane. How do you hit 40-plus home runs? And the stats, the statisticians, the khakis are like, uh, he's costing you We'd rather not have you. We're better (laughs) off without you. Literally better off without you. But I bet you if we wow. bought, like it, a lot of that happens where like when you don't watch every game, you're like, look at the pace he's on for home runs. But if you sat, if you were on it, if you were a fan of the team that he was on, you'd be like, get him out of here. 122 <laughs> games a year. You're just pulling your hair out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Any other records to add to, to Jen's topic there before we get to mine on the way out the door here for the last four minutes? That was a fun topic, Jen. I like that That was a great one. Uh, Okay, my question is just general thoughts on the Aaron Judge of it all. Go. 
you got to yeah. love it. Anytime the Yankees are struggling, they they got oh, they were over a barrel. They had to give him the money. They knew in the back of their minds he was injury prone. I mean, this is this He's just on sort pace of... for more home runs than last year. He's on pace yeah. for 63 home runs. But I he's guess. injured. I'm just glad he's injured. Like, I'm just glad he's out of the lineup. <laughs> I don't care what he's getting. Like, I know he's going to hit the lights up when he's in the lineup. But this is why the Yankees didn't want to give him the money. And then he had it a crazy bet on myself year like they all do. And then he got the crazy contract. And now he's back to what he was prior to the 62 home run year where he stayed healthy, which is a guy who's in and out slightly less often than Giancarlo Stanton. Here is a crazy stat. Happen to a there is <laughs> there is one player on the New York Yankees with an OPS plus above 115. So 100 is average. Anything above that is above average. 115. There are six guys on the Toronto Blue Jays with an OPS above 115. And there is one on the New York Yankees. And he's out until August. So, ugh. And all they're is thinking it, is, I wish we had Aaron Hicks back. You know, like, it's, <laughs> I mean, what a crazy, fun year it is for the Yankees. Oh, right. If only they had Joey Gallo. <laughs> all that right. Is. Well, let's uh, let's end that on that fun. note then. Thanks, guys and gals <laughs> and everything in between. Uh, appreciate another fun episode of the Long Toss. Hopefully, uh, we're still in a good mood next Sunday, next time. Uh, let's say our goodbyes and get the hell out of here. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you. All right. Goodbye. So I get to leave. I just leave now. <laughs> do, do, do you have do you have any comedy gigs coming up? Any shows? No, no, any tickets no. to sell? Any merch? Nothing like that. No. Nope. Right. Just okay. got my. No, nothing. Cool. <laughs> Bye, Joel. Uh, you know, you check me out at Hey Kami as always um, in the middle of the writer's strike still, which is lovely and fun. Uh, excited to see you guys for your live show in Edmonton. Um, You'll be there. Your show in Calgary. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I mean, uh, or am I? Mystery guest. But yeah, no, really excited for that. Um, Summer's come to Alberta, so the weather's nice. Um, Yeah. Excited to see you guys. Very good. Yeah, there's some sun. And um, make sure you go check out uh, Tom Cruise in the newest Mission Impossible. That uh, little blue guy or girl looks like the... uh, I think they were on like CBC Saturday mornings. Like the, don't you put it in your mouth? Yeah. So you ask someone, so you ask someone you're loved. Yeah. That's right. If it's okay to eat or muffin or a beat. Yeah. If you don't know muffin what it or is. Or a beat. There you go. Don't put it in your mouth. That's right. Right. Jen. <laughs> Hard to follow that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, this was fun. Uh, folks can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at baseball underscore Jen, Jen with two N's, where I talk baseball. Very good. Okay, Mr. Scott. Yeah, big thanks to the whole grounds crew who has followed along here and everyone in chat. And uh, we will see you Tuesday for mailbag, I guess. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk-Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.